Good afternoon, good morning. This is Mark Johnson, CEO of Loyalty360. Welcome everyone back to Loyalty Live. This is our weekly live stream broadcast. Uh, in this series, we talk to the leaders and customer channel on brand loyalty, about technology trends and best practices that impacts ability of brands to drive unique engagement and more important, long-term customer loyalty, especially in this era of COVID-19. Uh, we have uh, a number of amazing thought leaders. And today we have uh, the one and only Don Smith. Don is the Chief Strategy and Analytics Officer for Briarly, a good friend of mine, a very, very smart guy, uh, very steeped in analytics, best practices, insight. You can run models with the best of them, but I think he makes them actionable in a very unique way. Uh, very personal uh, and has a, a unique way of, you know, adding a human touch to uh, you know, everything he does. So, Don, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mark. Very generous intro, too. Thank you. Uh, no, I, everything the intro is true is that I have a great deal of respect for you and for Briley and what you guys do. And every time I have a conversation with you, I learn something. So, uh, I'm looking forward to that today for sure. All right, let's do it. The first question, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also uh, about Briarly and your role with Briarly? Yeah, I'm the Chief Strategy and Analytics Officer, as you said. So my team's responsible for really putting programs into market, figuring out what the levers are that are going to create a differentiated customer experience that will really move the needle and make a splash. And so we do all of the strategic planning. And then I also lead the consumer insights practice at Briarly, which is let's take those great data assets that exist in a program, and let's find insights that we can action and provision out solutions that make a difference, that make customers more loyal to the brand, and just create an overall better flow and journey for customers. Uh, Briarly, as you know, is a marketing service technology agency. Our roots are in loyalty, and we still do a lot of loyalty, but we've certainly expanded uh, into the larger CRM and engagement diaspora right? We're doing many more things. And it's often a blend with our clients right now. We have numerous subject areas. I mean, we're the technology engine for about half of our clients. But for the other half of our clients, they're using us for strategy and or for analytics or for creative or for digital solutions. Uh, we have all of those things in the stack. And I think modularity is the name of the game right now. We're seeing a lot more of that in the industry. And Briarly certainly adapted its business model to fit that mold. Um, for myself, I've been with Briarly 13 years. I've loved the journey. It's been fantastic. My career trajectory is weird. I started out in academia as a college professor where I was for 11 years, and I was teaching students to build statistical models, doing some consulting on the side. And then a few years back, obviously, I made the pivot and jumped straight into loyalty. Best decision I ever made. That's awesome. Uh, it's great. Uh, I knew the academy story and it uh, obviously makes uh, you an expert and gives you more uh, cachet and credibility in, in what you do. So uh, that's, 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 uh, for others, that's good to hear as well. So when you look at some of the challenges, kind of the market's very uh, fluid right now, to say the least, right? A lot of changes. Brands are having challenges. They kind of shut down. They open back up. Now they're shutting down. It's just a lot of uh, disruption right now. So what is the biggest challenge or more importantly, maybe the opportunity you see with customer loyalty. Yeah, without question, everyone is talking about emotional loyalty and there is widespread consensus that folks want to have it. They see it as the brass ring. I think almost every brand we talk to understands that investments they make in fostering emotional loyalty will be amortized over an extended lifetime value of the customer. But I think that's where the consensus ends. And for me, the biggest challenge is 
actioning the data in a way that provides substantive, authentic relationships with customers. It starts with personalization. Everyone says that they do it, but I got to tell you, there's still a lot of spray and pray in the market. And I think being able to take the data points, you have a social contract with your customers and your members. They're opting into a relationship with you. You're tracking their purchases and their interests and their proclivities. You've got to take that data, anticipate their need state, and come up with ways to serve up delights and special experiences that will be meaningful to the customer and build an authentic relationship. And I see that as the immediate opportunity for every brand, whether we're in COVID, we're in the new normal after COVID or beyond. Actioning and provisioning insights out of relevant customer data is table stakes. That's awesome. When you look at that, though, that, that, that's an interesting point, right? Uh, because when you talk to different marketers, you even talk to some of the kind of the leading providers, either AI or ML or, you know, in customer loyalty or uh, even CX, you know, how they talk about different models, different KPIs, you know, it can be very dichotomous, right? Uh, it's an Aussian task for brands to truly get the, uh, you know, a, a kind of a cohesive and comprehensive understanding. How, how do you simplify that? How do you look at data in kind of that pragmatic way that makes it easy to understand, right? You don't put a big uh, series of marketing speak around that makes it more complex and arcane. Yeah, com I completely agree. We have a couple of expressions that we, we start off with, and one of them is don't try and boil the ocean. I think too often brands feel like I have to anticipate every inflection point in real time and serve up a differentiated experience. That's great. That's a noble aspiration. But what we typically do is go, there's low-hanging fruit. Start out and figure out what some of the, the matrix of simple nest, next best actions are that will change behavior, motivate some desired behaviors, and really make a difference and winnow down the consideration set to what you can operationalize, that you can get digital assets in market, you can serve it up, and then use some scoring, use next best action analytics to really anticipate an inflection point, whether it's outbound communications or inbound touch points, and serve something up special for the customer to do that. But really focus on that simpler piece. And I think related to that is simplify your narrative right? You don't need to be asking customers to do a hundred things and you can't always be asking them to purchase. But what you can do is find nice, simple value propositions and communications that start to drive at authenticity over time. But keep it simple and be sincere. And above all else, be personalized. Your data lets you do that. And there is low hanging fruit that you can pick to make a difference immediately. Can you name a brand or two that you think is uh, doing an exceptional job of, of creating loyalty right now and, and why? Yeah. Um, so one of them, not everyone will have heard of it, but it's a brand that went, woo! I mean, their trajectory has skyrocketed during the current period, and it's thrift books. They're an online bookseller. They sell new books, but the majority of their business comes from pre-owned book titles that they're putting out there and their market share has increased dramatically. And I have to tell you, there's very few brands that are this good at personalization and using the data that's in market to surf up something really meaningful to customers. Their communications are fun and playful and they're ultimately genre and title driven and they're leveraging their rewards program, which is called Reading Rewards. It's not a really rich program, it's pretty simple, but they're doing it to the best of their ability. They're incenting all of these non-transactional behaviors, like getting you to start a wish list and considering collectibles and sharing feedback and taking surveys and engaging with the brand. 
And I think they've done something really special with what they have. They've kept it simple, but they're constantly tailoring their content to the customer. And I think that's what kind of makes it exciting. Um, and another brand, we know, the, we know a lot of brands that everyone talks about. I'll give you another one that everyone may not be talking about, and it's Fleet Farm. Um, they're located up in, in the Midwest and then, you know, and primarily in Minnesota and, uh, in, and in other surrounding states in the Dakotas and elsewhere, um, Wisconsin. But they're kind of like if Walmart and Tractor Supply had a baby, it would look like Fleet Farm. It's a really neat business model. And what I love is that they've also kept it simple, but they adapt it so quickly. And their business is, is projecting up. And they really came up with some real-time innovations um, that, that a lot of folks have done. Like they call theirs BOPUS, I think, buy online, pick up and store. But they pivoted so quickly. And they're selling a lot of heavy stuff. And they've managed to get their associates behind it, create a safe shopping experience. But more importantly, start communicating with customers and understand that some customers are having a little bit of a spending challenge and really communicating what they have in stock and working with their customer base Fleet Farm has done an exceptional job with their communications. And it's interesting, you mentioned earlier, uh, keeping it simple. So uh, one of the things that we've heard, or we continue, we have a couple pieces that were put out on LinkedIn this week, and people really kind of took the brand to task. I don't name the brand because it was too simple, right? It was points and you're rewarding for uh, different products on the menu. But simplicity can be very impactful, right? I mean, I think you mentioned earlier, not boiling the ocean, not making a program so arcane and so complex that it's, it's difficult to understand. So I think there's a good deal of value, especially in this time, right? Getting customers to do something different in this uh, area of uh, kind of a, uh, an era of stress and all the cortisol and just everything's stressful, right? So trying to tr teach a new behavior or make the program more complex is probably not the direction you should be going, correct? I completely agree with that. You ought to be identifying, look, um, what's something I can, we want to move those customers to those adjacent behaviors, but, but you nudge them appropriately. And part of it may also be just going, look, things have changed. I need to anticipate the current need state of the customer. And you might find other ways to assure them as well. I mean, table stakes to the pandemic has been letting customers know, look, we're protecting and defending your status within the program. We're protecting your points. And we're there for you when you're ready to re-engage. And then it's been finding alternate ways to re-engage and help them facilitate their purchases. And the, the latter piece is really planning, what can I do to put into market to drive that traffic when it becomes possible to create a better experience? But simple, simple, simple. And above all, be empathetic and respectful of your customers. That's awesome. So um, what are a couple brands that you're most loyal to and, and why? Yeah, um, there's quite a few. One of my favorite is Hertz. I do believe that the Gold Plus Rewards program is the best rental car program in market. I get treated very, very well in the program. Upgrades are very common. Um, I'll often be treated to a drive back to terminal, so I don't have to hop on a bus and take it all the way back in the airport and reduce my time. But more importantly, I think it just feels like a white glove experience. And there's, you know, they've created an opportunity cost for me to go anywhere else because I've never been treated like I've been treated at Hertz. And they're always finding ways to surprise and delight me, even at this time when obviously their business model is challenged. Uh, and we all understand why with what's happening with respect to travel. I, I think Hertz has created something special. And it's not about the points in the program. They're fine. That value proposition is good. It is about what they do with the data to create personalized experiences and make the customer journey literally, in this case, better. Um, so that's one brand. Another one, it's not our client, but SiriusXM. 
I happen to love the service and I love their COVID pivot too. Um, so I listened to it on my way to work or I was when I was going into work. And the fact that they're constantly communicating things to me and they're mining the data about what I'm listening to and they're serving up relevant content going, you would probably like this, check this out, uh, I think is exciting. And that keeps me interested and there's always ways that I can explore what's going on in their programming that I think it makes it a cut above similar offerings. And I also love the fact that when I wasn't commuting to work, obviously there's a risk of people canceling their subscriptions or not renewing. They went ahead and made the app free. So now when I'm working out on the treadmill, I can stream Sirius through my phone. I can have that music there. I can do it for someone else in the household, which is really nice without paying for a separate subscription. They made it easier to use and they democratize the platform a little bit. And I think that's what good brands do. They show that they care about you and they appreciate the investment you're making in their service. Can you uh, give us a couple of examples of some of the challenges your brands, the, the ones that you run, customer loyalty or strategy or CX4, some of the challenges they've seen, maybe uh, most frequent challenges and, and how you're helping them through that? Yeah, and I think the COVID transition, it sort of starts with first, listen and assuage fears. And the very first thing we did was lay it down and say, in your program, immediately communicate to members. We know times are tough. We're protecting your points. We're not expiring them. We're protecting your status. We're extending it. We care about you. And when you're ready to re-engage with us, we're there for you. And obviously, we were working with them on the safety messaging, making sure that they had a good either in-store or online experience that was available, and doing all those things, modifying their business models to make sure that they have pickup outside of the store, that they have different delivery options, contactless, all of that stuff had to be done, right? But in addition to that, the other pivot, and our consulting work is increasing because brands understand that they have to be getting ready for the challenges that they're facing. And so part of what we're doing is going, how do we engineer different experiences? Do I take the customer that was primarily a brick and mortar in-store customer, and how do I move her into the online channel and you know, basically guard against any of the fears that she may have or the hurdles there, and more importantly, plan for what the new normal is going to look like. And it's probably going to be a mixed modality of how customers shop, but the data is there, the preferences are there, and you can create personalized experiences to both drive traffic, whether it's in-store or online, and also to keep fostering engagement in the interim period. Let people use what they have. Find ways to keep it fresh and exciting and fun. And above all, demonstrate that authenticity that you're in the customer and the member's corner. And that's what we've really been pushing, Mark. And that's awesome. Well, I think that you had some really good points there just with regard to it's uncertain, right? And, and creating simplicity and creating these unique experiences uh, and listening, I think, are some of the biggest opportunities we feel as well. So it's great to hear that. Um, is there a brand or a few brands, uh, potentially ones that you've helped that have kind of re-engineered themselves, uh, whether it's buy online or pick up in store or buy online, pick up in store or curbside service? You know, some of the kind of things that we've heard a lot about it, is there a brand or two you think that's done a really good job of reinventing who they are? Yeah, I think there's a, there's, there's a few. I would mention GameStop, though, as one of those brands, because if you're familiar with their business model, GameStop has historically been all about the in-store experience. They don't call their customer employees in the stores salespeople or anything else. They call them game advisors, because that's been, these are geeks, I mean, in a good way. 
like me who play games, they know everything about every video game, and they're literally, they talk the customers through what game would fit with them, what could be fun, they upsell, and they do it in a very authentic way, and that has been a powerful business model for GameStop. No question, but the stores are closed or have been closed. Some of them have been reopened. And yeah, they did the basic stuff like you can order the game and do the pickup outside or they'll text you to come in and get it. And that's right. great. They did all those basic things. But I think what they did to reinvent themselves was brilliant. And they haven't historically been focused on their dot-com business of buying the games. But guess what? They have the world's largest arsenal of pre-owned video games at a time when people need to be entertained right? But don't have as much disposable cash. So buying pre-owned games makes a lot of sense. Uh, their dot-com experience has been good, but it hasn't been great. And they've replatformed that site, worked out some pain points. And I think more importantly, they have put some fun, crazy promotions into market like flash sales for buy one, get one on pre-owned titles and bundles around new releases that are probably richer than they've typically done, but it's injected a vitality into this and it's working. You're seeing customers who used to come in and talk to a game advisor and want the in-store experience switching to a different platform. And kudos to the leadership at GameStop because they've really pivoted. That's awesome. So if you were going to offer one piece of advice uh, to a brand who's looking to improve their customer experience, customer loyalty efforts, and their strategies right now, what would that be? Yeah. Stop trying to boil the ocean. And what I mean by that is don't try to do everything for everyone. Pick the low-hanging fruit. One of the things we do in our consulting practice, we'll also work with brands going, look, things have slowed down. I'm sure I'm not, I'm not getting all the juice for the squeeze that I should be from my program. And we'll sit down and do a marketing jumpstart with them and go, what are the assets that you already have in your program, data that's readily available to be actioned, and what are four or five really impactful campaigns that we can put into market to drive adjacent behaviors, and stimulate a little fun and excitement. And those are the things that you could focus on. Um, I think too often we feel like, well, I can't do the personalization until I have 150 different offers and messages available to serve up with digital assets that correspond to all of that. That's going to be hard. But if you focus on a handful of things that you can do well, that'll make a difference for the largest number of customers possible, you have a winning formula. And the whole point is put things into market quickly and learn from it, adapt and reinvent. And I think getting that kind of flow is the right way to go. If nothing else, it will marshal support for your efforts and let you do more and more of the things that make a difference with your customers. That's awesome. Um, well, I think uh, two questions coming out of that. What about uh, declared data, zero party data, and kind of focusing on kind of a smaller group, right? We hear a lot of brands that are really focusing on from surveys or getting a more kind of unique engagement with them. What, what do you see in that regard? And, and I think that fits with your simplicity uh, kind of mantra as well, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you like to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. And that's what we love is when customers are sharing the data themselves. I mean, certainly we work, we do third-party data overlays where they make sense, and we get a lot of good out of that data. But there is nothing more authentic than setting up a portal and asking customers about their preferences. But you have to honor the. It's a social contract at that point. And once you ask customers about their preferences and how they want to be communicated, what the categories that they love are, what their interests are, you have to serve up content. Uh, content that, that consumes that data. But I think creating more opportunities for surveys, for product panels, and feedback, letting customers name products, try out different shades of a new solution, 
all of those things really worked very, very well. And one of the things that we're seeing right now, we, we love to do voice of customer research. Uh, we're getting our highest response rates we've ever had in the history of the company because more and more people have time on their hands. You can incentivize folks. They like the chance to earn a little currency in a program. And it doesn't have to be a lot, Mark. You know this. A small amount of incentive can, can be enough to move the needle. And people will engage with you deeply. And as you get that data in, it allows you to serve up better content. And if nothing else, you can hear the customer directly and serve her or him something that's meaningful. And so I think getting more and more of that data is so easy to do right now. And if you can do it in a way that anticipates pain points, you know, like here's an item that's been out of stock, but please reserve it for me or please let me know when the following comes in, um, that's even better. Customers like to feel that you're brokering in their interest. Okay, great. We like to call this our CMO challenge question. If you could ask a question of a competitor, uh, a customer, a, a brand, a uh, question about customer loyalty, it could be a group of people. Uh, what one question, what one question would you ask them? I would probably ask, what is the new paradigm for your vertical and how are you planning to adapt to it? And, and what I mean by that, and it might be the retail vertical because we know that in-store as we know it has changed up and there's going to be a number of things happening, but it affects travel. It affects every vertical differently, but in a way there's common challenges. And my question would be, the new normal is going to be different from the old normal. We know this. And so you can wait to try to adapt to it or you can be proactive. And as long as you're putting some things into market now and getting ready for what the new normal is going to look like, you're going to be in good shape. But I think this is a time you have to lead and you have to be proactive and prepared because if you wait and try to adapt, you will be playing catch up. And that may be you know, a symptom of brand demise that we witness. That's a good point. Uh, are you actually a gamer? Do you, do you, do you play uh, certain games? Yeah? I do. I do. I love video games. I have since I was a kid. Um, okay. The most exciting event of my summer was that Doom Eternal came out. You know, okay. was, yeah, so I have successfully killed all the hell priests, Mark. You'll be happy to know that I stopped the invasion. Um, so that, that's been a lot of fun. I don't play with other people. I like to do it in kind of a solo environment to blow off some steam. Theme. It's not really a social activity for me, but I love all of the first-person shooter games, anything with a zombie. Uh, I prefer to kill aliens as opposed to people um, because that's, I'm that's ultimately good. non-violent, passive teddy bear. You know this. All right. Yeah, you're definitely <laughs> sure. Is that, uh, learn something new every day. Is that I, I, I was looking forward to learning something new and uh, that uh, I, I got that. I'm not sure it's valuable, but you, yeah, you learn something new. And The Last of Us Part Two is out right now, too. So after the zombie apocalypse, you can navigate through it. It, is, it does not disappoint. That's good. Well, uh, empathy is very important. So knowing something more about your personal side is, uh, is good. So now I have that for sure. Um, couple more questions uh, to wrap this up. What's next for customer loyalty? What do you see maybe uh, something that's of interest from the, the marketer side, the client side, or you know, what are you guys planning for? What, what's next? What's going to kind of push this industry forward? You know what? Related to this notion of a paradigm shift, I, I think what's going to happen is the way that traffic flows and the brick and mortar model has been disrupted. And it will resume to some extent, but I think you're going to see a contactless world that's going to enable a lot of cool things. And so one of the areas where we're investing and we're the most excited about is I think as contactless becomes the norm and there's increased um, you know, sensitivity around making sure that that delivery model is there, this is going to enable a lot more facial recognition, voice recognition, 
the entire world of virtual reality and AI is going to come alive through the new service models. And what that means to me, and I'm a statistician by training, right? So I love this. It means a lot more unstructured data is going to become available quickly. And we're going to be able to take IVR and voice data and load it in and do things around sentiment analysis that's going to help engineer a better customer journey. We're going to have real-time information about how members and customers are perceiving their experiences, and that is going to enable this, uh, this customer-centric revolution that's already underway. We're going to serve better content at better touch points, but you have to be prepared to do it. And so I think all of those new things are going to come in, and you're just going to see more and more of this. Um, at the same time that you're going to see an increased focus on hyper-personalization, right? Getting that relevant content out there and really squeezing the data in a way that builds the relationship. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are some of the things that, uh, that are coming on. And I think key to this, outbound communications, Mark, are going to continue. I mean, they're important, doing emails and the other channels, SMS, even direct mail where it works. But inbound is the new table stakes for communications. You have to be there. The customer's on the website, you should recognize her or him. Where it's not creepy, right? But where, where that relationship exists, serve it up, meet them where they are, and try to anticipate their needs space and, and offer them something good. And I think if you can do that at any touch point where the customer is interacting with you, that's going to be what makes this more exciting. And the new types of data that are going to be enabled by the new delivery models are going to bring the excitement. Uh, they're really going to bring it for loyalty. Uh, so I think we're on an exciting new edge, a new frontier, if you will. All right. Well, and uh, I think that's uh, it. I think it's uh, a great conversation. Keep it at time. And, uh, you know, I uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. It's uh, great to hear what you're seeing and hearing from, from your clients and where you think the market's going. I uh, appreciate it very much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'd love to talk to you guys. All right, great. And uh, thanks for everyone for watching, uh, both uh, on Zoom and on uh, the uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and uh, next Tuesday, I think we have David Andriadakis from Kobe Marketing, uh, Chief Strategy Officer, much like Don, is gonna, gonna give this light, uh, kind of what he's seeing. So everyone tune in for that. And again, thank you, Don, for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you for having me.